Hey everybody, this is Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. I'm really excited to be here today. We have a fantastic show, lots of questions, so let's dive right in. The first question is from a woman, her name is Julianne, and she writes, I am at the age where I need bifocals and I wear contacts. What can I do to improve my eyesight? And I have astigmatism. Well, the first piece of feedback, Julianne, that I would give you is that you want to uh, be careful about associating age with needing reading glasses or bifocals. I have many patients in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who are reversing the need for bifocals and reading glasses. And although the standard approach is at age 40, you start to lose your focusing ability and you need magnification, so you start wearing reading glasses. And then at age 50, you start needing bifocals. In my world, that's really not true. That there are things that you can do to slow down the condition, which we call presbyopia. And it isn't necessarily related to an aging process. When you start wearing any kind of magnification lens, what it does is it begins to um, hypnotize or, shall we say, paralyze your focusing muscles. And so they lose their responsiveness. Another way to think of it is that the muscles become flaccid. They lose their muscle tone. So once you start wearing magnification glasses, you're starting down this slippery slope of becoming more and more dependent on uh, reading glasses. And then you start wearing them, and maybe you forget to take them off in the intermediate distance or even at far distance. And then you find you're using your reading glasses for distance, and uh, this is where then you start to need bifocals. There are other options involved and, you know, an easy one starts with the optical system that you're wearing for distance. So one of the pieces of advice that I would give you in working with your eye doctor, and this is for anybody, that you want to make sure that whatever prescription you're wearing for distance, that it isn't too strong. It's not too tight. It's not overcorrecting you. In fact, wearing a 2040 prescription for distance, and this would be this applies to people who are nearsighted, actually can help slow down the progression of presbyopia, the need for reading glasses, because you're slightly undercorrecting your eyesight in the distance. Now, let's say you're farsighted and uh, you start wearing some farsighted glasses for distance or farsighted contact lenses then this is going to accelerate the need for a stronger magnification for up close. This is where some of my vision exercises come into play, things that help stimulate your focusing flexibility, your visual coordination, uh, reducing stress and discharging stress from the eyes. So the eye exercises that are on my website, a couple that I really like, are the, um, the yin-yang peripheral vision exercise, the um, 
palming, humming exercise, palming uh, just by itself, uh, long swings. So these particular eye exercises actually help improve and tonify the eye muscles so that there's better responsiveness. But the thing is, is when you start wearing um, any lens full time, um, it does create more dependency and deterioration in your visual system. So in terms of, you know, your question, you're starting to need bifocals, you wear contact lenses, I would be very um, mindful of the power of the contact lens that you're wearing for the distance and not make, make sure it's not overcorrected. Now you speak about astigmatism and on my website, I talk a lot about astigmatism as a twisting in the eye and that any prescription that's in the eyeball also is reflected somewhere in the body in terms of your posture, your movement, um, even your you know emotional responses, your biochemistry. So with the astigmatism, with that irregular eye shape, um, when you wear an astigmatism correction, it actually embeds or locks in the astigmatism in the eye. I do have a program um, to help reverse astigmatism, and this would be separate from you know the need for reading glasses and bifocals. But if you went to your eye doctor and said, hey, can you make me up uh, the same lenses in each eye, 20-40 prescription, no astigmatism, and you just started to wear it in non-demanding and non-threatening situations, you would find over time, over the next three to six months, that your eyes would actually flex into the non-astigmatism correction and you wouldn't uh, then need the astigmatism correction anymore. Now, this is a process. It's not an overnight uh, change because it's probably taken you... Um, you know, a period of time to develop astigmatism and develop the refractive error in your eyes. So the expectation that you're going to change it immediately or within a week or a month is really folly. It's going to take time for you. Think of this as physical eye therapy. It's a remapping of the brain and the eyes. There, you know, the, the tendency of, of, you know, doing, wearing the same thing the same lens over and over creates kind of a closed system, which is going to lead to deterioration. So when you start wearing a therapeutic lens prescription, a lens prescription that actually uh, challenges your eyes and your brain to have more flexibility and versatility, this is when the structure of the eyes can change. Again, there's a disclaimer here that it must be done in a non-demanding and non-threatening situation, like in your bedroom. You don't want to be doing this if you're driving or trying to write checks or work on the computer. Uh, it needs to be done at least initially in a safe environment so that you can, you know, allow the um, vulnerability that you're going to experience uh, come up for you when you wear this therapeutic lens prescription. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much for the question. Okay, question number two. This is from a listener from Spain, and she's been diagnosed with a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, and she's asking me if there are any holistic or alternative complementary things can she do to help her situation. So retinitis pigmentosa, or better known as RP, is an inherited uh, disease, results from um, mutations in 
the photoreceptors of the retina. Now the photoreceptors capture the light, turn it over to electrical impulses and send it back to the brain. So when you have RP, it actually creates this mutation in the photoreceptors that produces a protein that creates a toxicity in the cell. So what people experience with RP is they begin to tunnel or narrow their peripheral vision and they eventually might lose their peripheral vision and certainly have night blindness and things like that. So there are a couple of research studies out there which have shown to have some positive effects with people who've had RP. The first study is a pilot study that was uh, published in the Clinical Experimental Optometry Journal and it's a pilot study of 12 people who were given acupuncture pro protocols and they were found to have improved visual function. Um, and these were people who were diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa. So acupuncture would be one thing on my list to take a look at. Number two, there was another study that was published in the Archives of Ophthalmology. And in that study, um, patients, there were 225 patients in the study. They were, they were given 12 milligrams of lutein and 15,000 IUs of vitamin A palmitate. And they were found that um, their visual fields actually got a little better uh, by taking these supplements. So my recommendation would be uh, to, to think about, in terms of uh, supplementation, definitely um, vitamin A, palmitate, uh, vitamin C, vitamin E, I would also recommend omega-3 fish oil, lutein zeaxanthin, even bilberry. This would be a good one in terms of improving the retinal circulation and night vision. Some of my eye exercises work really well in terms of stimulating in a rehabilitative way to keep the, you know, the retina activated. Uh, there's the yin-yang uh, peripheral vision exercise the palming humming exercise, the uh, tongue clock exercise, the eye scan and the eye stretch. So all of these would be really good physical therapy eye exercises that I would recommend. I would also look for somebody who does color therapy. I've been doing color therapy for a long time and when you apply color therapy to the retina, sometimes it will stimulate the photoreceptors that have been desensitized to the light and it can actually activate peripheral vision. Another thing that you could do is seek out a holistic eye doctor and uh, work with something which I call yoked prisms. These are special therapeutic prism glasses, specifically the base down yoked prism glasses that actually when you put them on, they expand your peripheral vision. I had a patient of mine who was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa. We did all this, all these protocols, and I gave her these very strong base-down yoke prism glasses, and immediately when she put them on, she said, wow, I can actually see behind me. I realize now that I have peripheral vision behind me. And so she wore those for about a month, and she noticed that her peripheral vision kept getting better and better and better. Again, we're working under the model of neuroplasticity and that even though we do have this deteriorating disease going on, many times if we offer stimulation and rehabilitation that we can either create new pathways or regenerate the pathways 
that are deteriorated. Now, I'm not here to say that we're going to cure retinitis pigmentosa, but if you work actively with your eyes and eye exercises, you can actually at least neutralize some of the deterioration that's going on. The last thing I'm going to say about peripheral vision loss is that when we become too focal, too detail-oriented, we lose our, what we call our vestibular function. So the vestibular function is the inner ears that help cue and signal us in terms of orientation. Peripheral vision actually helps access better vestibular function. The other thing that I, I work with is stimulating the bottom of the feet, massaging the bottom of the feet, putting essential oils on the bottom of the feet, specifically lavender or frankincense, anything to activate uh, the, the bottom of the, the feet actually stimulates our peripheral vision and our vestibular system. Again, it's whole body seeing. It's not just the eyeball. So these would be some of the things I would try, and uh, I hope this has been helpful. Thank you for your question. Okay, question number three, and this is from, I don't have your name. It's Plam Realty. Okay, well, th this uh, person is asking a question about newborns. Here's the question. Interesting. Are flash devices for newborns, babies, and pregnant woman, women damaging to the eyes and the brain? She says in her email, I've done lots of research and I haven't seen any association between flash photography and possibly deterioration of the eyes and the brain. You would like, she would like my expertise on this. Okay, so I've worked a lot with infants, uh, newborns, and, you know, if there are any parents out there, you know that, you know, when babies are born, um, they're basically a blank slate in a lot of ways, especially in terms of their sensory motor uh, development. And they're pretty dilated, um, and I'm using that as a metaphor, in terms of absorbing all kinds of experiences. They're very sensitive because they're so newly formed, they haven't learned discernment or defense strategies to learn to filter out uh, certain stimuli. And so I always err on the side of um, protection in that I don't recommend a lot of... Um, stimulating uh, experiences, especially that are sudden, like flashes, uh, like flash photography. Uh, I would be very uh, careful about introducing those things. I would be titrating them and I would do them in a very, very gentle way because, you know, basically you're working, a newborn is a metaphor like an open flower, brand new flower that's just opened. And if you give too much information, too much stimuli, too quickly, there's going to be a recoil. There's going to be a shutdown. You know, the nervous system, the fluid body, um, they're not fully developed and they're just learning on how to be in the world. And one of the things that I've learned about people in trauma is that there's a split between their sensory systems and their motoring. 
So their sensory and their motoring are split into two whenever there's a traumatic event. And especially if it's sudden. And, you know, we know as adults, flash photography, that's going to be something that's a normal response. But in, in an infant, a newborn, even a pregnant mom, there's a lot going on there in terms of the de developmental sequence. So I would not do flash photography. I don't do TVs and video screens and a lot of high stimulation. I would keep things on the low end. I would have a lot of rest and settle and a lot of space for exploration so that the infant can really inhabit their motoring system and their sensory system without the interferences of these, uh, you know, shocking um, stimuli that, that could come into play. Okay, this is our last question. This is from Daniel B., and he writes, good afternoon, Dr. Byrne. I'm a 32-year-old Caucasian male. I've had extreme myopia and was diagnosed with a condition called pigmentary dispersion uh, syndrome at age 25. So this is a type of glaucoma. And he says, I've been to some famous glaucoma specialists who have uh, given me medication uh, but the results have been highly unreliable. I've attempted some natural treatments, including eye washes, juicing carrots, and various herbs. None have been successful. I'm currently on meds, but fear that I'm developing a tolerance to the medication. And um, I'm very concerned about this. I know it's very different than regular glaucoma. Have you had any success treating it? Uh, can you help me? Thank you, Dan Daniel, for the question. So what is uh, this condition? PDS, pigment dispersion syndrome. This is when uh, the pigment uh, rubs up against the iris of the eye. And uh, what happens is some of that pigment uh, begins to break off and it, it begins to, to clog the uh, drainage canals. And so by draining, uh, by blocking the drainage canals, it creates a fluid build, build up in the aqueous, and this can cause the intraocular pressure to go up. Now, not everyone who has PDS, PDS will develop pigmentary dispersion glaucoma. Um, and in terms of diagnosing it, yes, you have to look at the eye pressure. You want to do visual fields with the optic nerve. There's also another test that's done called gonioscopy, where you can actually take a look at the drainage angle and see if it's actually blocking the, the fluid. Um, and it's, a, it's an interesting condition because, yes, if you do have high degrees of myopia where the eyeball begins to change its shape, it's going to have an effect on the circulation um, anyway. So I'm going to talk about this in a few ways. And Daniel, uh, this, is, this is my um, perspective on it. Uh, let's go to the research first, because I think in the research, that's going to give you some ground to think about. So there was one research study that was done. It was published in um, Experimental Eye Research that increased production of omega-3 fatty acids actually protects the retinal ganglion cells 
um, after optic nerve um, damage. Now, this is an animal study, so we need to take, take that into account. Um, but the key in any kind of um, you know, optic nerve protection is making sure you're getting enough good fats uh, in the body. And, you know, for, you know, regular dosage, you're looking at maybe 1,000 milligrams a day. I might up that to like 2,000 or 2,500 a day. Again, you could work with a functional medicine doctor and see what your tolerance is in terms of fats and oils. But I definitely would be, you know, doing as much coconut oil, MCT oil, uh, omega-3 fish oil, nuts and seeds. That's uh, a no-brainer. That also helps reduce any inflammatory response that might be going on, oxidative stress. Um, I would also take a look at your dietary absorption and any inflammatory response going on there, even if it's, you know, eating a more anti-inflammatory diet. You know, the thing you say about juicing with carrots, there's so many uh, really more potent smoothie formulas that you could use. I mean... Things like uh, ginger root and turmeric root, um, some citrus, some kale or spinach, um, you know, really adding the, the green leafies, maybe red or orange bell peppers. Uh, so you're getting that rainbow in your smoothie formula, uh, not just carrots. That actually can have a negative effect on your insulin level. Uh, and, you know, again, there is associations between, you know, insulin levels that are a little out of balance and uh, how that could affect your eye health. So I would really expand your palate in terms of smoothie formulas. I've got some great spoon smoothie formulas on my website uh, that you could go to. Um, and in terms of your high degree of myopia. So myopia on a kind of a more physical level can create constrictions and contractions in the muscles in and around the eye and affect the circulation. And so doing some myopia reduction exercises, my plus lens to blur is a really good one, the eye dialogue. In other words, begin to loosen up the um, compensating lenses that you're wearing, the full prescription that you're wearing, and seeing if you can reduce some of your myopia just as a way to open up the circulation in the eye tissue. Again, clinically, I've seen this thousands of times when people start reversing or reducing their myopia, it actually opens up the circulation in their eyes. I would go get some craniosacral therapy, go to a good osteopathic craniosacral therapist. Sometimes there's an association between um, you know, opening up the circulation in the brain, in the head, the, the, the bones that address the, the skull and kind of touch into the eye sockets could be very helpful. My eye exercises, the palm hum, the tongue, tongue clock, uh, getting sound into that area could also, also open up uh, the circulation. And it is like a monitoring, you know, it's, it's, it's like, okay, you need to go to your regular doctor, get the visual fields test, get the intraocular pressures, um, you know, take a look at the drainage angles. And then doing a lot of these alternative exercises, therapies that I'm promoting and uh, could help neutralize some of the um, 
the problems that you're having. You know, medication, glaucoma medication does work for a while, but it is only treating a symptom and there are side effects to those. Um, and in terms of the laser surgery, again, it's more of a symptom approach. Uh, so it creates scar tissue. And I'm not saying, you know, that it's not an effective surgery, but if you can do these other in interventions uh, that I'm proposing, you might be able to slow down some of the deterioration uh, that you're experiencing. So Daniel B., I hope that's helpful. Stay in touch with me, um, you know, stay in with my newsletters and uh, uh, stay connected because I have a lot of great information out there and, uh, you know, good luck to you. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, thank you so much for all your questions. Keep them coming. Drip, drip, drip. Keep those questions, uh, sending them to me and uh, I'll address them as I can on our next podcast. And until next time. Take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.